Children, sixth grade and below, you're dismissed to go downstairs to your time of study. Brian, I hadn't gotten all choked up until you started to pray. Thank you. Well, I'm really excited about this word. I I hope that um, I can get you excited about it as well. Uh, I hope that uh, you will uh, understand the joy that we just sang about, that we get to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Uh, The premise of this time of prayer and fasting is that we believe that God has a destiny for each and every one of us individually and for us together as a group. And so as we pray, like last week we were praying about consecration, which means to have our lives set apart as something that's holy. Uh, Consecrate is, is not a complicated word. It just means you take something normal and you set it aside and now it's declared as something with a purpose, something holy, something sacred, something that God can use. And that's what happens to you when you come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You uh, get set apart. You, you, you are normal, um, so to speak. <laughs> I, I know some are more normal than others, but um, you are normal, but God has now set you apart for a great and grand and glorious purpose, a destiny, as it were, in him. And it should get us excited to realize that we are not just meandering through life, that God has for us a journey, a purpose, a plan, a destiny. Um, the month of January is, you know, most months are named after Roman gods because they got to name the months uh, early on. And the month of January is named after the Roman god Janus. And Janus is pictured, uh, a lovely uh, picture here, uh, a sculpture looking both forward and backwards. And um, the month symbolizes the fact that we look backwards at times to evaluate where we've been, but at the same time, it's the idea of looking forward, that youthful idea of uh, looking to where, we're, to where we're going. We are a people that God has said, you, you're on a journey. This is not, you haven't arrived. When you come to know Jesus Christ, you are you're really placed on the path that you're supposed to be now. It's that you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. You're on this narrow path, but you are on, you're on this path, this journey. And as we make this journey together, it, it, I think it's important for us to look forward to where we're going, what God has for us. Too many of us spend our time looking in the past, carrying the baggage of the past, um, evaluating our present because of the experiences we've gone through. And really, one of the schemes of the enemy, the accuser, is is to try and derail you, so to speak, based on the failures, the hurts, the tragedies, the situations, the circumstances of your past. And, and every single one of us brings our past into this room with us. Now, the question is, are we going to let our past determine our future and even our present? Or are we going to look to 
what's in front of us. Look to the destiny. Look to the journey. Look to what God has. And, and if nothing else this morning, I pray that we leave this place excited about the days ahead. No matter what we've gone, you could have had a miserable morning. I mean, I'm not talking like way past. You know, you and your spouse could have fought on the way here. You and your children could have had just a horrible morning. You could, this morning could have been terrible, but don't let just this morning determine your outlook on how much God loves you and has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for you. You could have sinned horribly yesterday. But don't let the fact that Satan tripped you up yesterday determine that God can't forgive you or will forgive you today and you can move forward in him. That's really what this passage in Hebrews 12 that we're focusing on is looking at. Let's look at it together. Hebrews 12 verses 1 through 3 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Do you want to live a life that matters? I think inherent in all of us we do. We want to live some sort of life that has meaning, where we're just not meandering, you know, just kind of wandering around. We're not floundering in life, that we have a purpose, a plan. And we've talked many times about your destiny in the Lord, and the Christian life being a journey. It's a journey with meaning. And to live a life that impacts people, we need to make decisions that matter. And I I contend this. It's not just the major earth-shattering decisions that matter. I mean, they do matter, but it's not just those. It's, It's the every moment, everyday decisions of life that that kind of build up to have a life that has meaning. How do we go about achieving this? What can we do today that will enable us to move forward in the journey? Well, let me acknowledge, first of all, that it all comes by grace. You know, it's really, again, I keep coming back to this. This is the whole foundation, the premise. We get to do what we do because God loves us and has done for us. I mean, it all... It all stands on that foundation that anything we do, we do because God loves us and he enables us to do it. But at the same time, once he enables us to do it, there's something that we're supposed to be doing that helps move us forward in this journey. Now, the problem with jumping into Hebrews 12, and this is the teacher part of me, I'm sorry, but just hang on for a second. The problem that with jumping into Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, is that there are 11 chapters that go before Hebrews 12. Hello? I mean, you, I mean, I know it seems obvious that we're Hebrews 12. Are you sure there are 11 chapters? Well, let me just teach you all of Hebrews 1 through 11 in the next 60 seconds. No, it's going to take longer than that. 
I don't have time, but it's great. You should read Hebrews 1 through 11. And uh, really, if you want to just summarize it, go back to chapters 10 and 11, because Paul, uh, we don't know if Paul wrote, I'm going to keep saying Paul wrote Hebrews because most people believe that, but it's up for debate. But the author of Hebrews summarizes everything in chapters 10 and 11. And in chapter 10, what he says is this, and it's, it's critical for understanding 12, so I'm going to give you an overview before we get the points. In chapter 10, he says this, prior to the coming of Christ, the only way, the only people who could get to the presence of God were, was the high priest. If you remember, they built a temple, and in the temple you had the outer court, the inner court, and then eventually you had this thing called the Holy of Holies. And if, when it was first built, that's where the Ark of the Covenant, that box, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, that, that box was, and they, they had it in the Holy of Holies. It represented, as we talked about last week, the presence of God. And on certain days, the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies and into, so to speak, the presence of God. And there was this veil, this it, it, a veil to us sounds like some thin piece of fabric, but it really was a wall that divided the Holy of Holies from the other courts. And it was the, it was the thing that kept everybody else out, and then the high priest would, would go into the presence of God. Well, what um, the author of Hebrews says is this. Jesus came, and his flesh, so to speak, was the veil. His flesh was the veil, and his flesh, when it was crucified on the cross, it literally tore, if you read in the Gospels, the veil of the temple was rent. didn't mean rented out. It means it was torn in two. And the veil was parted so that now through the body of Jesus Christ, through his blood, we all can come. No longer is it just the high priest, but we can all come into the presence of God. This was an This was an earth-shattering moment that changed everything for humanity. That not only were a select few by the blood of bulls and goats allowed to go in the presence of God, but now because God in flesh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went to the cross and died on our behalf, his flesh became the veil that was torn in two so that we can now all go boldly before God's throne. It says in Hebrews 4, 4.16, referring back to it, he does in chapter 10, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Not only that, but in chapter 10, um, he says, he, he again points back to the Old Testament. And the high priest, when he would go into the Holy of Holies, he would be wearing this garment, this vestment, that had 12 stones on it. And the 12 stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel. So that when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, he represented all of the people, the 12 tribes, and he had these stones close to his heart. And the author of Hebrews says that Jesus is now our high priest. And we are the stones that he carries close to his heart. So not only do we have access into the throne room of God because of what Jesus did, but we also have an advocate there. Someone who is like us, someone who loves us, someone who carries us close to his heart as his brothers and sisters, who intercedes 
for us. So this great dual truth the author of Hebrews points out is that not only can you go in, but once you get there, you've got somebody like you who will represent you before the throne and advocate for you. Isn't that just, I mean, I don't know if at times we can emotionally and mentally get our minds and hearts around such an awesome, awesome picture of who we are and who we have that indwells us and loves us and cares for us. It should change everything for us about this journey. Then, then in Hebrews 11, that's chapter 10, I'm just summarizing. Then in Hebrews 11, it would probably take me less time to read it than summarize it. But in chapter 11, he then says everything about being in the presence of God and walking with God, it comes by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is confidence in God. Faith is believing what we don't see. And uh, he talks about faith and that everything that we have and where we are, it comes by faith because we can't see it. We can't see Jesus in the throne room. We can't even see the throne room. We have to, in faith, believe what God has for us. We have this confidence, and it's the only way we can operate on this journey is by faith. Then he, in chapter 11, lists this, all these people who walked by faith. Abraham, Noah, uh, the, the, the Jericho march happened by faith. Everything. He lists all of these people who walked by faith and it just goes through time and even talks about people who gave their lives and were martyred and sacrificed, whose names we don't even know, but loved God. Jesus, and through faith, offered their lives as a sacrifice. So that when he gets to chapter 12, and he says, therefore, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. He's saying, by faith, it's not just us. It's everybody who's ever walked in faith now surrounds us. We have access to this throne room through the blood of Christ. We have this advocate, and we have all these witnesses with us. Therefore, keep your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on him and this journey. You're going to make it on this journey. He then talks about this journey as a metaphor of a race. It's really a pursuit, if you were. And we picture life as a race, and we need to know what kind of race we're in. Are you with me? This seems a little logical, I think. That if you're going to run a race, you need to know what kind of race you're in. Um, And I'm sorry for those of you who don't like race analogies. I'm going there today uh, because it fits the passage. Um, Last fall, I was running a a 10K race. A 10K is 6.2 miles. Now, I'm trying to prepare for a longer race that's coming up. So I'm going a little slower, going a lot longer. I'm trying to prepare my body for a longer kind of race. But a 10K, and I know 6.2 miles, to some, sounds like, well, that's plenty long for me. But it's really shorter than I've been running. About halfway through the race, I'm pushing myself a little more. And so I'm running. And about halfway through the race, my body says to me, buddy, you better slow down. You are never going to make it to the end of this race. Because my body is used to running slower and longer rather than, I know 6.2 sounds not shorter, but it is shorter and faster. And I, I was able to, to, to switch gears mentally, say, no, no, I'm in a different kind of race. This is a shorter race, not a longer race. 
And therefore, I can push the pace just a little bit, a little bit more. Listen, we need to know that that we're on a journey and that the race we are on is really a long distance race. This is not a hundred meter dash. This is a long, long marathon for most of us, I hope. It is a long race. And we need to know that the rules of the race matter. It says in 2 Timothy 2.5, similar, similar, I can't even say the word, similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. You want to finish the race? You got to know the rules. What are the rules here? Now, the author of Hebrews uh, gives us three areas, areas or rules that will help us on this journey. And, he, and just to summarize, he says, let us throw off everything that entangles. Let us run with perseverance and let us keep our eyes on Jesus. Those are the three things that we're going to look at here for just a moment. So first, we need to prepare properly. Prepare properly. Throw off everything that hinders. Before you start running, get rid of, get rid of everything that's bogging you, bogging you down. In the ancient Olympics, an athlete had to prove, first of all, that he was a Greek citizen before he could even compete in the race. So, we are citizens of this race. We get in the race through Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you're not a follower of his, then technically you're not even... You're not even in the race yet. You get in the race by becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, receiving forgiveness of your sins, and making him the one who rules and leads is Lord of your life. But also in the ancient Olympics, in order to compete, part of the rules of the race were that they had to prove that they had trained for 10 months prior to the event. So prior to the event, they had to take an oath stating that they had been in training for at least 10 months prior to the actual event. They had to swear before uh, some statue uh, that they had prepared. To fail in preparation was to automatically be disqualified. We're tempted to take shortcuts, but if we take shortcuts, we short-circuit the process that God has for our lives. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. This means get rid of everything. Let me say this slowly and intently. Get rid of everything that would prevent you from running the race well. The author of Hebrews is pretty blunt here. Throw off everything that entangles. The New King James Version says it like this, the sin which so easily ensnares us. Now, I don't think the author of Hebrews here is just talking about the big sins. Immorality, murder, you know, big sin. He's talking about any sin. Gossip, slander, the way we speak, the, our attitudes, our thoughts, anything. I just don't believe that life is, you know, you know my shampoo bottle says this, uh, something like rinse and repeat. Now, I, I don't know how many times I'm supposed to repeat. 
uh, to wash my hair. But I think many times a lot of us think that life is like that. I sin, I repent, I repeat. I sin, I repent, I repeat. Sin, repent, repeat. Sin, repent, repeat. I think there's got to be more than, there's got to be some forwardness to this. Where I'm not caught up in this continual cycle. How about sin, repent, unload and move forward? We need to throw off everything that hinders. Um, you know, a lot of people have made New Year's resolutions and are headed to the gym. Um, I've got some pictures of people working out in gyms uh, that maybe they should get some help on uh, what they're doing at the gym. Um, well, first of all, there may be, maybe, maybe, <laughs> it could it be that we're a little overprepared? Uh, I'm never worried about falling off my stationary bike and needing a helmet, but uh, maybe that's maybe that's necessary. I, I thought I'd throw that one in as a sign of over preparation. Sometimes we put on things that we don't need. Hello. Sometimes the race we don't need some things that we say are religion in order to run the race well. Uh, let's put on the things that God tells us to put on and not put them on if they're not His and unload the things. I think these guys have lost the meaning of the gym. I mean, stay at home and watch television if that's what you're going to do. Or I don't know that those machines were made just to sit and read the newspaper. Or this, honestly, this is my favorite. I, I don't know if you see. Can you see her feet? I mean, working out in high heels is, is really, I, I don't understand the purpose there at all. Listen, sometimes we need to understand that, that in order to run the race, we need to prepare properly. We need to throw off everything that entangles us. We need to get ready for the race. We need to prepare and then run the race. And let me say this too, sometimes our success can be our greatest hindrance. Sometimes we carry that with us and think, I was successful the other day, and so I'm just going to do things like I did it yesterday, and therefore I'm going to be successful today. Walking with God is a journey of every moment of everyday faith. Paul, I'll just give you one example, and I'll try and move through this quickly. Uh, Paul in Philippians says this, Not that I have already obtained all this, Or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We need to keep pressing forward. Now, when Paul writes this to the Philippians, he's saying, look, I haven't achieved anything. Really? I mean, if you think of Paul's life, and as we look back at it from where he is writing this, let me just summarize some of the things that Paul's done already. He'd already seen the Lord face to face. Oh, that's a good one. I I would probably live on that for a long time. He'd he'd seen the Lord face to face. He'd been on a first mission. Really, he had finished three missionary journeys. These are not like two-week fly-in and fly-out kind of journeys. 
These are uh, really incredibly difficult journeys. On his first missionary journey, he went to Galatia, where he spent two years. Second trip, he went to Macedonia and Greece. That took him three years. Wrote some letters from both of those, to both of those places, Galatians, uh, Thessalonians. Third trip, he went to Asia. Now, Asia, it, I mean, it's a long, he's traveling. Spent four years there, wrote two letters to the Corinthians, which we looked at one of them already just last year. Uh, wrote his masterpiece, really, I think, the, the letter to the uh, Roman church, which we could spend an entire lifetime preaching through. He shared some of his experiences, and this is what he's already gone through in Corinthians, where he says this, are they servants of Christ? I'm not going to get to the background of that. I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been imprisoned more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again, five times. Listen to Paul's litany of things he's been through. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. But by the way, I, that's a total, he says, of 195 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've con- been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea. You get the picture? He's in danger. In danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Yet, and despite all of this, Paul says, you know what? I don't claim that I've already arrived or have achieved really anything. How is Paul able to do that? Well, he's able to unload even his successes and unload all of this stuff that's been done to him. If you're going to prepare to run the race, you have to be ready to run the race. Prepare, unload, get rid of all of the things. Dress correctly. Know that this is a long race and get ready. Look forward and not backward. Second point is you need to determine early. Determine early. Second step in pursuing a life of consequence is really your attitude. You should have the right determination. Let us run with what? Perseverance, the race marked out for us. Really, he's saying, keep on running. No matter what, keep on running. It's going to take perseverance. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Even before you were born, God marked out a race for you. The question is, are you going to run that race? One translation says it like this. God planned for us to do good things and to live as he has always wanted us to live. That's why he sent Christ to make us what we are. And the race marked out by God for us is the pursuit of a life that really matters. Again, looking at Paul's attitude back at Philippians where he was talking about it, he was determined to never give up, to never quit. One of the things that I can testify to in running long-distance races, as, as limited as my experience has been, is the mental determination it takes to finish a race. I, I have yet, I have yet to run a marathon 
where at some point I started saying to myself, you are such an idiot. Why are you doing this? I mean, at some point in the race, your mind, your body is going to start to break down and your mind is going to say, this is the stupidest thing ever. Not only am I out here running this far, but I paid money to do this. And at some point, at some point, I I always say a couple of things. One, if I ever finish this race, I'll never do another one. And number two, just stop. Just stop. Just quit. Just walk. Just give it up. Catch the bus back to the start line. What does it matter? And I'm telling you, if you haven't predetermined that you're going to finish the race, your body and all of that stuff will win out. You will quit. You will stop. You will try and get off. In this journey, determine that no matter what, you'll run the race marked out for you. Listen, you need to look at the signs and make sure you're on the right race. Not too long ago, I had a friend doing a triathlon, and he was on the bike, and at some point in the race, he turned right when he should have gone straight. Ran, uh, rode his bike like 10 to 15 miles too far. By the time he got back to the start, he missed the cutoff time for the bike part of the race and was disqualified, had to stop. It happens. It happens. We need to make sure that we're going on the right journey, and we need to predetermine early that we're going to stay in the race and we're going to stay on the journey. And we do that by holding on to the hope that we profess. Because, listen to this, he who promised it is faithful. What is the author of Hebrews saying? He's saying, listen, stay on the journey, stay in the race, because if you don't give up, the one who's got a hold of you, he can't give up. He won't ever give up. You are held in the palm of the hand of Christ Don't give up. He, he is faithful. Also in Hebrews, he says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus who went before us has entered on our behalf. We have this confidence. We have this predetermined that you're going to maintain. You're going to stay on the course. You're not going to get off. If you're going to do this journey, prepare, get rid of the stuff that may entangle you, and determine early that you're going to persevere, hang in there. And then third point is this, focus fully. Focus fully. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning and shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Listen, focus on Jesus because if you don't, at some point you're going to grow weary and you're going to lose heart. We are all in danger of losing heart. Losing heart will short circuit really the process that God has for our lives. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't fix your eyes on your circumstances. Listen to me just for a second more. Don't fix your eyes on your circumstances. Don't fix your eyes on your situation. Don't fix your eyes on your reputation. Don't fix your eyes on your money. Don't fix your eyes on your house or your car or your job or your name. Fix your eyes on Jesus. 
to run this race, we have to be fully focused on him. In August of 2012, a football game occurred between Kent State and Townsend University, not too big football powerhouses, I understand. But in this game, Andre Parker is about to become an internet sensation for all the wrong reasons. His team, Kent State, I'm going to show you the video. His team, Kent State, is punting. They're in the black. They're punting to Townsend, who is in the white. All right, you with me so far? Hopefully you know enough about football to... Hopesell from a first-half fumble. Snap is high. This ball knuckles. Bounding down. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's running the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. Holy moly. How often do you see that? How often do you see that? (laughs) Towson should not have tackled him and let him go into the end zone. It would have been a safety. It appeared to have just grazed Derek Joseph, the return man, making it a live ball. Right. Linebacker Andre Parker then gets confused. There, it hits Joseph. It's a fumble. It's a free ball. Andre Parker has it, and then he's wrong way, Parker, for 58 yards the wrong way. Joseph's yelling at Peter, which is what punt returners yell in order to get everyone away from the ball, and then the ball hits him. And then Andre Parker, the sophomore linebacker for Kent State, runs the entire, (laughs) runs 58 yards. Now, there's so much wrong with this that it's hard to know where to begin, really. First of all, he, he runs the wrong way. Second of all, his teammates are blocking for him <laughs> to run the wrong way. And then third, the opposing team tackles him as he's running the wrong way. Listen, there's so much here. I could preach the whole sermon just on this one video illustration. You can... You can be passionate, you can be prepared, you can be just rocking it and going the wrong way. Even the people, I know it's, it's terrible, I'm almost done, but <laughs> you, can, you can really be going with it. Not only that, but the people around you could actually be encouraging you. And you could even find some opposition in the going the wrong way. But you could still be going the wrong way. Bruce Wilkinson says, run with speed, run with power, but ultimately all that matters is the right direction. We've got to focus on Jesus. If you're going to run in the right direction, you've got to keep your eyes fully fixed on him. Listen to me. Everything else is just an illusion. Everything else is temporary. Everything else will lead you in the wrong way. You've got to focus fully on Christ. What, when he was headed to the cross, what was Jesus focused on? Was he focused on the cross? Now, according to the author of Hebrews, he was focused on the joy on the other side of the cross. How did he endure the cross? He was focused on what was on the other side. 
he scorned its shame. He didn't focus on the shame, but rather the throne that was awaiting him. Listen, I know, I know a lot of us here have stuff right in front of us. And our temptation is to focus on the circumstances, to focus on the health or lack thereof, or lack of resources or relational problems. Our, our, our temptation is to focus on that. I want to encourage you to focus fully on Jesus. Focus on him. Because when you do, when you do, you'll be able to run the race effectively. Be prepared. Throw off everything that will slow you down or trip you up. Be determined. Hold on to the anchor of your faith. It will get tough, but don't ever give up. And be focused. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today that you have redeemed us and put us on this path, this journey. I pray that if there's anyone here today who doesn't know Jesus Christ as the one who forgives their sins and rules their life, that they will come to that truth today, that Spirit of God, you would draw them to the name of Jesus and that they would be placed on the journey. Lord, we pray that for those of us who have already received Christ and are already on the journey, that, God, you would direct our steps. During this time of fasting and prayer, I pray that you will reveal to us the things in our lives that we don't even know that are on us, that are entangling us. And by grace and faith and strength, we'll unload them. Lord, I pray that we would determine that we we won't give up. We know you'll never let go. And as a result, we keep pressing forward, forgetting what's behind, pressing on toward what's ahead. And that, Lord, as we do, we'll keep our eyes fixed on you. Forgive us where we have gotten off track, where our focus has become blurred, where our passion has faded because we've maybe focused on the wrong things. Or we've gotten tripped up. Instead, Lord, let our, I pray for both passion and direction. Spirit of God, come upon us afresh and anew today. Stand up with me, if you would. I'm going to ask our ministry teams to come to the front. You may be here today and you would say, I need strength for the journey. Maybe because of health issues or maybe because of... Um, sir.